Don't some get some. How about those friggin' pirates? Yes, I am a pirate. You have to go with the pirates because, of course, they have cannons and everything. It's a pirate's life for me. Be proud of who you are and what you are. You're a pirate. It is a first down. Pirate. Because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach in East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play in East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it! I think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It was deafening in there. You will get them on. I can promise you that. Hand it purple all night long in Eastern North Carolina! You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome in to the 2024 East Carolina Baseball Preview on the Sports Objective. We are less than 72 hours to first pitch as the Ryder Bronx will be at Clark LeClaire Stadium this weekend. 4 o'clock first pitch on Friday, 2 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And right now, joining Matt Smith and myself, preview the Pirates. Welcome in the third year play-by-play voice. It's hard to believe this already third year this guy's tenure behind the mic and that is uh, better known as scooter rogers scooter how are you doing well bubba and uh thanks for having me on tonight yeah looking forward to talking some pirate baseball it's hard to believe another season is upon us you know so so uh many expectations for this team as there always is and the pirates ranked anywhere from 11th to 17th in the polls and uh you know before we dive into this year's club you know, like I was saying, it's hard to believe it's your third year on the call, Scott. And, you know, obviously you have the moments in regionals and super regionals that you undoubtedly enjoy calling. But, um, you, know, you know, as you take a look at your first couple years as the play-by-play voice of East Carolina baseball, you know, what are those most memorable calls? There's, there's so many of them. You mentioned the postseason ones, you know being able to say that I was the, the the only person to call a home super regional matchup for East Carolina is, is pretty cool to say, especially being that that was my very first year. And, you know, winning that first American conference title in the Greenville regional in 22 was, was special as well. And those, those three definitely rank up towards the top. And, you know, I would say it, it might not have been the biggest win for East Carolina in program history, but, the first, the first win East Carolina got by first year against Campbell in that midweek game was was really special, especially just because of how the how that year opened with the sweep of Bryant and everything that happened right before the season with with Carson Wisenhunt and and the injuries as well. It just finally getting that first win was really cool that year. But those those calls definitely rank up towards the top. This past year was was a special one as well you know you know i cherish every moment that you have you know because there's only so many jobs like this in college athletics where you can say that you're the voice of a program and so you know being able to cherish every single broadcast is something that i take pride in doing scott we talked about one right before the show but how about the game last year 
in Greenville against NC State. Uh, three home runs from uh, from JC. How about that one? I'm sure that sticks out a little bit. There was a great energy in the park that night, right? Absolutely it was. Yeah, I mean, that was arguably, you know, one of the best atmospheres we had last year. That one in the, the Campbell game in the last week of the season, honestly, were probably the best two atmospheres that we had last season at home. And yeah, that NC State game was so special, not only just because of the win, but you had Jacob Jenkins Cowards, three home runs. Uh, you had Joey Barini have a home run in that game as well. And, you know, that was almost like a, a turning point for East Carolina last year, too. That's when things kind of started clicking for East Carolina. You could tell that that team was starting to heat up a little bit right after that game. And, you know, just getting an in-state win as well against one of your rivals and a quality win at that was so good about that matchup as well. But, yes, the atmosphere of that night certainly led to the excitement of it. You know, there was probably close to – I would say at least 5,000 in attendance that night. And, you know, you're going to expect that every time East Carolina plays someone like North Carolina State. And, you know, as we saw with attendance numbers last year, you know, it it could be Memphis, it could be Tulane, it could be anybody last year. And you're going to have, you know, almost 4,000 people in that stadium, which is awesome to see every night. Scott, as you prep for the season, give us a glimpse behind the scenes when we were discussing a little off air and you said – you know, I don't think there's anything else you and the broadcast team could do to, to prepare and to get ready. The, the haze in the barn, just like Cliff Godwin said about the, the team. Um, but, uh, you know, give us a glimpse of everything that you put into it to get ready for, for these broadcasts. Yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting year this year. You know, it, it's great not being a student anymore and in, being graduated from East Carolina, which happened back in the summer of last year. And so, working over with Interbanks Media now and also, you know, doing some more stuff with the ECU Sports Network from a social media side. And so dealing with that, dealing with not necessarily having the the student aspect of it this year, but you're dealing with other jobs as well while you're doing this. And, you know, it's all kind of combined in the same, you know, it's honestly great being able to to work with Interbanks Media now because you get to have more of a a hands-on feel with some of the logistical sides of the broadcast with, you know, elements coming in, you know, the, the sound bites that go with the broadcast, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, like today and tomorrow, we were up in the booth testing out equipment just to make sure, you know, everything is, is sounding good back in the studio, sounding good on our side, that sort of thing. And then, you know, you throw in, you know, the, with it being crossover season, you still got basketball going on. And so, you know, next week I'll be preparing for a women's basketball broadcast as well and of course you have men's basketball on thursday night this week and i work at the scores table for every men's men's and women's game pretty much at home and so still got to juggle that as well but uh yeah i mean it's interesting from the behind the scenes look you know not only from the technical side of things but from the the actual play-by-play part when you're taking notes and learning about other teams and writing scripts for each broadcast that sort of thing it's a solid you know, I tell people that it's a solid two to three hours of prep for every single game in terms of getting notes and, and everything together. But, you know, I, I actually dropped this. This is a, a sports objective exclusive. I'll drop it here. We uh, have been working on a new intro for the baseball broadcast this year. So when you tune in at 3, 4, you're going to hear a pretty cool opener to the broadcast that I've been working on for the past couple of weeks and finally got it ready to go today. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing that, Scott. This is Kyle, by the way. Uh, so 
look forward to hearing a new open. That's always exciting. Um, uh, speaking of uh, your broadcast, um, as we open up with Ryder and throughout the season, uh, do, do you know how often you'll be simulcast, uh, you and Coach O on ESPN Plus, versus them having their own uh, announcers for the TV games? I believe the number is around 10 games this year. Uh, I know this this Scott dropped out on us. Uh, not sure what the other games are throughout the year, but I do know that this Saturday and Sunday will be on the plus. Okay, you dropped out. So this Saturday and Sunday that you guys will be simulcasting on ESPN Plus, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is correct. Yep, not sure what the other games are throughout the season, but yes, this Saturday and Sunday. Okay. So, Scott, um, let's go ahead and dive into this this ball club. Um, as I mentioned, Pirates ranked as high as 11th in D1 baseball. Um, so, as you as you take a look at Cliff Godwin's 10th East Carolina team, you know a lot of things jump off the page at you. Um, let's start with the rotation. Uh, and we've heard it over the last several years. You know, the pitching is the deepest it's ever been. You know, we're hearing that once again, and uh, you know for good reason. And, and, and it all starts with Friday night ace Trey is savage. Trey had an excellent year a season ago. Uh, really, just one poor start, and uh, you know that was right when he was battling some. Some arm issues. Unfortunately, it turned out to, to be uh, nothing significant, and he was able to return and, uh, and pitch the way we know he can. So, uh, tell us about Trey, because I know he's really fine tuned things after the summer in which he pitched for Team USA Collegiate. Yeah, you know, he certainly has. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to come up with things to say about Trey Savage that we haven't said already because he's been so good in his career in East Carolina and a guy that was kind of not, didn't have the, the biggest and in a lot of big spots and get out of jams, but didn't have a lot of length to those outings his freshman year, but he certainly took the role he had and ran with it. And of course last year did such a good job in that starters role. And as you mentioned, the, the arm soreness dealing with that as well, but he certainly, you know, improved on what he could, in, in the summer and the fall this year and has really looked sharp, it sounds like, in these inter-squad scrimmages on the weekends leading up here to opening weekend. And, you know, he's he's top five pitcher in college baseball, and there's only so many teams that's, that can say they have that. And for East Carolina to say that they have not only a top five pitcher in college baseball in their rotation, but more than likely a top two top 50 pitchers in their starting rotation is is pretty insane to say about East Carolina, and it shows that, that like you said, how deep this pitching staff is once again this year. And you take a look at, um, I know Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball. Uh, Aaron said I mean, they have him third, and he said, to be quite honest with you, he said, I can't say that I I wouldn't pick him. You know, depending on the matchup, and you know, or just those. He said, I can't say that I wouldn't take him first. And that's how close he is. To, I mean, just a, right there, the elite of the elite in the country. Yeah, you know, and, and for someone like Aaron Fitt to, to have him that high shows how good he is. And, you know, this is a pitcher that obviously can, can push East Carolina over the top 
in terms of kicking down that door to Omaha. And that's one thing I think that this team that is going to set them apart from so many others in the past is the depth of this team, not only from the from the pitching perspective, but also on the offensive and position player side as well. And here recently, you know, you know Trey Savage, of course, you know, preseason All-American list and Golden Spikes Award candidate uh, for the top player in college baseball last year, you know, held opponents, I think a 193 batting average, uh, surrendered something like, I don't know, 53 hits and in 76 innings, just some pretty uh, mind-blowing numbers there for Trey. Uh, let's take a look at the Saturday spot to, to start the year. Zach Root last year uh, really saw a lot of good things from Zach. You know, he saw some bumps in the road as well. But uh, the thing that jumped off the page to me about Zach is the way the game and the moment was never too big for him. You saw it right off the bat second weekend of the season um, and him pitching just tremendously well, you know, out of the bullpen against North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, when he came in that, that opening weekend against George Washington last year, and, you know, when we saw him for the first time, everybody said, wow, you know, this kid has got it. This kid's going to be, you know, the next, one of the next best pitchers in East Carolina. And he certainly proved that. As the year went along, you mentioned the North Carolina game last year, how well he looked against a really good opponent in the Tar Heels. And he continued to build upon that as the year went along, whether that was, you know, coming out of the bullpen or in some starters roles here and there. And towards the end of the year, he had transitioned into that starters role. You know, we saw him have some big outings towards the end of the year, especially down in Clearwater, had to start against UVA last year in, in Charlottesville, the regional. And you know, by the end of that year, last year, he certainly was not a freshman. He was, he had the poise. He had the, you know, the ability to pitch like an upperclassman. And so this, he's already got that step up, I think, coming into this year. And he's also worked in the offseason really hard. He got stronger, worked really hard with Coach Knight to improve on some of his pitches as well. And so that's going to be a much improved Zach Root coming into this year and certainly a guy that could, be your Friday night starter, you know, on any other team in the country right now. And for East Carolina to have that one-two punch of your Savage and then Root from Friday to Saturday is is really special. And as we take a look at Zach's development, it's, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that the success that he had last year was pretty much with a fastball and a changeup. I mean, he's, he's developed a couple more pitches, you know. Tell us about that, Scooter, because I know um, – not only has he developed a couple more pitches, but he's also honed that command last year. You know, wasn't as good as he would have liked at times, but um, we've heard his command has significantly improved as well. Yeah, his command certainly has improved. You know, I got together with the with the coaching staff a few weeks ago, and you know, met with them about some of these about really every player, and you know, talking with Coach Knight about. Zach Root, that was the one thing that he mentioned was really his biggest thing that he improved upon. He talked about the the command of his pitches and, as I mentioned just a moment ago, how he had gotten stronger. And he said combining those two things really helped Zach, especially with the command of his pitches because having that better control and, and, and knowing how to throw some other pitches now too is going to help him a lot. But, yes, I think, I think the biggest difference you'll notice from Zach this year is going to be the command on those pitches, which is going to help him, obviously, so much from this year, from last year to this year. 
starting off the year in the, the Sunday role. It'll be Jake Hunter. Uh, Jake had, I think, 22 appearances a year ago, just four of those um, in a starting nod. But uh, it, you think back a couple years ago, Jake Hunter was the Sunday starter at the beginning of the year and definitely had a lot of success in that role uh, early on uh, before hitting some tough times and then at the end of his freshman year was not what he would have liked but uh, definitely bounced back um, very well in 2023 and obviously um, his pitching very well entering entering this season yeah and and, you know like you said that's one thing I like about Jake Hunter being in this Sunday role is he's got the starters experience and that's that's one thing about this rotation is every single one has significant starting experience when you look at it on paper. And, and you know, when you go back to Hunter's freshman year, those first couple of weeks were good. Fell off a little bit towards the middle of the year, and then last year really worked hard to get back to where he was. And towards the end of the year last year, midway through the year as well, that's when we really started to see Jake Hunter pitch at his best. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily – was it coming out of the bullpen? Was it starting? It was both roles that he had – towards the end of the year last year with with starting a couple midweek games and mainly coming out of the bullpen. But every time he came out late in the year last year, he looked good. And so being able to take what he had there at the end of the year last year, had a really good summer in summer ball. I think his ERA was less than one in summer ball this past year. But working summer, working in the fall when he got back to ECU with Coach Knight, and now that he has earned this Sunday spot again, I think says a lot about the work ethic of Jake Hunter. And that's one thing that Coach Godwin had mentioned about this Sunday role was, you know, you had guys like Jake Hunter. You had Chris Kaler. Uh, you know, you had Wyatt Lunsford-Shinkman was another one. There was four or five guys there that were really battling for this spot. And so whoever came out on top earning this spot certainly had to earn it because there were so many guys fighting for this spot, and I think that says a lot about the improvement and the in the work that Jake Hunter has put in this offseason. You make an excellent point there. I mean, that's something that Cliff Godwin said at Media Day and said in multiple other preseason interviews. Um, he was asked a question about the Sunday role, and he said, well, you know, whoever, which player he was asked about, he said, well, he could be the starting um, pitcher on, on Sundays, he said, but there's also another three or four guys that are vying for that spot as well. And to, you know, to have six or seven legitimate options vying for uh, starting nods is, is pretty impressive. It is. And, you know, that's, you know, we, we go back to the depth of this pitching staff. It shows that there's so much there. And, you know, for, for there to have been four or five guys fighting for this spot, shows you know how much starting potential you have on this team and some of those other names we mentioned like Chris Kaler uh, you know everybody knows what Wyatt Lunsford Sheepman can do and he's going to be such a good part of this bullpen this year especially in the back half of games but you still have you know Ethan Norby the freshman was another name that kind of was fighting for that spot as well and so there's so much potential for this pitching staff this year and so much experience as well that I, that's one thing that's going to help this team so much is the amount of experience it has, I think. Tell Pirate fans who aren't familiar uh, with Chris Kaler um, transferring in from George Washington, really pitched well against ECU to open the 2023 season. Uh, you know, that's how Austin Knight and the Cliff Godwin and the staff you know, really came to know Chris Kaler. 
but uh, he, he's someone that the moment uh, or the scene there at Clark LeClaire Stadium was not too big. He thrived in that, and that made him want to join the Pirate program. Yeah, it did. And, you know, again, this was a this is a former Friday night guy. He was George Washington's Friday night guy last year and, you know, had a good year. I think he was second team all A-10 last year, if I remember correctly, and had good numbers for a team that didn't necessarily do the best last year in terms of win-loss record. But he's certainly going to help East Carolina this year. And, you know, he's a guy that is in the high 80s, low 90s, you know, kind of a not not necessarily a jump ball thrower, but has some really good off-speed pitches and he's going to be he's going to be an arm that East Carolina relies on this year and it's certainly going to be I think one of the better portal pickups in college baseball this year and that's another guy that you know we talked about fighting for that Sunday role you know if things kind of fall off for Jake Hunter maybe you make that switch and he could easily slide into that Sunday spot if needed. Go ahead Kyle. Uh, I was going to say last year you know maybe what kind of hurt us with, uh, with the ability to host the regional was our uh, midweek performances. Uh, didn't get some of those big midweek wins that we needed. Obviously, with the pitching depth we have, you got seven guys competing for uh, the Sunday starting spot. Uh, that should definitely help us win some midweek games. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kaler's someone that could start midweek. Ethan Norby is one that could start midweek. And, of course, it all depends on, you know, what happens on the weekends, you know, how many arms are have been needed during those weekend games. But yes, I, you know, that's one thing too with this team is you have so many options to go with for those midweek games. And with the competition that East Carolina sees in the midweek action, you know, with the Campbells of the world, uh, you know, the NC States, the, the Dukes, those, those programs, you're going to have to have a good arm out there and, and bring it your best every night when you play those programs. And so you certainly have the ability to have a quality arm out there during the midweek this year, which helps a lot. Scott, a moment ago you referenced Ethan Norby. Uh, obviously, we've already talked about Zach Root. Uh, in addition to, to Root and Norby, uh, you have Richie, uh, Eric Richie, and then um, you have um, Aaron Growler, or excuse me, Growler, uh, Aaron Growler uh, transferring in from Seton Hall, uh, and, and you have uh, multiple other, uh, I think, maybe two more left-handed pitchers. Last year, the Pirates had very limited left-handed options out of the pen. This year, we have as many as six, I think. Yeah, and that's one thing that, you know, I think takes this bullpen to another step this year because, as you mentioned, you have some other left-handed options in that pen. Grohler lefty, Norby's a lefty. You still have Eric Ritchie, and, you know, that gives you so much more to – to play with in terms of your situations that you have to bring some guys in. It allows you to go matchup wise a little bit better. Uh, it, it allows you to be a little bit more selective on what type of lefty you might want in terms of, you know, velocity, pitches, that sort of thing. But yes, that's one thing that's going to add to this bullpen depth is being able to, to be a little bit more selective on what you can use in terms of what arm and, and matchup wise. Some of those bona fide options out of the pen, uh, you referenced Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman. And uh, Wyatt pitched well a season ago, was definitely you know, right up there, around 30 appearances, give or take. And uh, def <clears throat> excuse me, definitely a reliable uh, option for Knight and Godwin. But another 
that we haven't mentioned yet, I don't believe, and that's Danny Bill. Um, D- Danny Bill, of course, a, a little bit of a unorthodox delivery, and, and we've heard how many pitches he has in his arsenal. What it's like seven or eight at least. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, with what Danny Bill did towards the end of the year last year, showed how well he can be, and. He's going to be, you know, one of those guys that's probably the first one out of the pen, depending on the situation this weekend. And and Bill's going to be, you know, in my opinion, the main guy for this pen, depending on what situation it is. And Danny has, you know, gotten better. You know, as you said, he's added some pitches to his arsenal. He had so many in the past. So it's crazy to think that he could add so many more pitches to it. But, for, you know, for Danny to be back again this year and help this bullpen, you know, and Danny – Danny's a leader of this team. That's one thing that helps so much still having him around is how big his influence is in that clubhouse. Uh, you know, being a leader, he's a, he's a vocal leader of this team. And, you know, he's a big representation of the culture for this program. So Scott, uh, we had a question for you here. Uh, William Landon chiming in on YouTube uh, saying, uh, Scott, and in this instance, talking about on the mound. Uh, we've already touched on that. But uh, start with the the new pitching options, uh, some of which um, we've uh, already referenced. But if there's any we've left out, um, you know, add a little bit there with those guys. And then, and then positionally, uh, discuss some of the new players that we may not know as much about that could have a significant impact in 2024. I think Scott may be having some technical difficulties as he's uh, traveling. Yeah, to... I got you now, Scott. You uh, got me. So, impact, sorry, my Bluetooth. Impact, impact Bluetooth newcomers. My, uh, yeah, my Bluetooth cut out on me there for a second, so that's my fault. But, yeah, those impact guys, you know, newer ones this year. We mentioned Ethan Norby. He's another one that could, you know, have a big impact for this team, especially on the mound. Uh, Drew Bryan is another one that I think could be a, a big impact to this team. The D3 transfer from the University of Chicago. I think that he he might not have as big of a role as some of these other guys will, but I think he's going to be a huge part of this team when it, depending on the situation. When you look at the positional side of things, uh, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Bristol Carter. You know, he's definitely going to be the center fielder of the future for this team and you know, whether he gets the chances weekend to start, you know, not sure right now. Riley Johnson's health has been up in arms a little bit this year. Uh, I think right now Riley's feeling pretty good, so it sounds like he'll probably start this weekend at center field. But Bristol is pretty certainly going to get an opportunity to, to play right off, not necessarily right off the bat, but he's going to get some chances here very early in his career, and he is a – player that has really proven himself, especially from the, you know, turning down a significant draft opportunity this past year with coming out of high school to, to come to East Carolina. And, you know, I think that says a lot about the type of person Bristol is, considering that he turned down a pretty significant amount of money to come to East Carolina because he wants to be a pirate. He wants to be a part of this program. And so Bristol is going to be a huge part of this team too as well Um, there's so many new guys on the pitching side that haven't got the opportunity to really see in person yet Um, but there's there's so many I think that could make an impact to this team depending on the situation Scott you know just just to 
you know, take that a step further regarding Bristol Carter. He was a uh, a first team high school American by perfect game. Obviously a huge pickup, like you mentioned. He brings a ton of speed to the outfield. What do you think are some reasonable expectations for him this year? I mean, is is do you think he's just you know plug and play, ready to go and be a productive player immediately in the lineup? I think so. You know, I think this is a guy that could step in and have you know, an immediate impact to this team. And, and you mentioned one of his big attributes and that's speed. He is, he is going to be one of the best base runners on this team. And so even if you don't see him initially, maybe in the outfield or getting at bats right away, I think you're going to see him in some of those pinch running situations, depending on, you know, what the situation of the game is. But yes, he could certainly be a impact player right away in his freshman career. Yeah, and, and when you look at that speed, when you think about Bristol Carter, you look at Nowak, you look at Riley Johnson, you're talking about three guys there that can that can really run and make plays in the outfield. Obviously, JCC, he's a longer guy. He can make plays as well. But you got to feel really good about the athleticism in the outfield this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned Nowak. You mentioned, we've just mentioned Bristol Carter and – you know, there's so much talent in that outfield, you know, and, and that's not even mentioning Riley Johnson as well, who's who Cliff Godwin has said is this team's best center fielder when he's healthy. And so outfield this year, I think, is going to be especially of this club, because as you mentioned, you've got the speed out there. And, you know, that obviously helps on the offensive side, too, because it gives you a little bit more, uh, you know, things to work with on the base paths. Uh, you, with the way Jacob Starling looked last year towards the end of the year, he certainly has been good there from a speed perspective, but it gives you so many more things to do with this team as well when you add so much more speed to it. Undoubtedly, and um, that's something that you know, Coach Godwin really, really emphasized is, yeah, Bristol Carter may not be your starting center fielder, on Friday afternoon, but um, do not be surprised to see Bristol in the game on Friday. He said potentially is a late inning in defensive replacement. You know, you, you think about your options in the outfield and, uh, and um, you really, I mean, we, we've had some tremendous outfields, but um, as far as speed across the board with Johnson, Carter, Nowak, et cetera, it's uh and we and we haven't even talked about Carter Cunningham. Carter Cunningham's an, a solid solid outfielder, and uh, and we'll certainly talk more about Carter later on on that transition to to first base. And he he should be um according to Coach Godwin himself on the the starting first baseman on Friday afternoon. But um, no shortage of options, and and like Cliff said, um a lot of tough decisions for, for him and the coaching staff to make uh, when they're filling out that lineup card. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned, you know, Cunningham moving the first base, you know, that's a position that's deep as well, not only with him, but you have Cam Clunch that could slide into that first base spot if needed. And you mentioned Carter Cunningham, he could slide to the outfield just because he has that experience there. If you need him to play the outfield as well, but you know, one of the players that has certainly looked good, or I should say two players that has looked good, in these inner squad scrimmages and throughout the fall as well as the freshman Colby Wallace and then also the transfer from Pacific Chaz Myers. Those two have really looked good 
in the in the inner squads and overall in spring practice so far as well. And so I think you'll see those guys get some opportunities. It's going to be tough to get them in that lineup, I think. But I think these are two guys that definitely could get some opportunities this year, and they will definitely make the most of it and make an impact for this team if they get that opportunity. You talk about the battle at first first base. I'm very intrigued um, to see how that unfolds. As I mentioned, Carter Cunningham will be the, the starter on opening day, but as the season progresses, it will be uh, very interesting to see if you know how much Cam Clanch, who uh, has been a part-time starter there, uh, as well as at DH in the past, um, you know who ends up playing uh, the majority of the innings at first. Oh. Can you repeat, repeat what you said. You cut out about halfway through. Gotcha. Uh, I was just saying that as the season progresses, yes, Carter Cunningham's going to be the opening day starter. Would not shock me if we see Cam Clanch uh, get a start over the weekend um, at first base, but uh, certainly at DH. But uh, Cam Clanch is someone who's been a part-time starter at the past or in the past, um, be it at first base uh, in in replacement of, of Josh Moreland or when Josh was hurt um, or perhaps at DH. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, those are two guys that solidly could play first base. You know, it doesn't really matter who who it is at first base that you play. You know, both of them are solid. Uh, you know, Quanch is so good, not only offensively, but he's always been a, a really good defensive first baseman. And, and like you said, too, to keep one or, or both of them in the lineup, one of them could be your DH. And, you know, there's going to be some, you know, I think tough decisions made at, at the DH position this year because you've got so many guys that could be in that spot. Not only you mentioned Cam Clanch, you have got, you have uh, Ryan McChrystal that could be in that spot. If Justin Wilcoxon gets the day off behind the plate, he could be in that DH role. Uh, Chaz Myers is another one that could be a DH on this team as well. And so there's so many options for, for every position in the field and also in the batting order with this team. And, you know, you mentioned tough decisions. You know, that's one thing that, you know, every single position you have, you know, two or three guys that could step right in there and start for this team with no issue. We talked about a lot of the transfers on the mound. Chaz Myers coming over from Pacific. Uh, you know, be it coaches or players, I've heard folks just raving over Chaz Myers, a right-handed bat. Um, you know, one of his teammates even – made a comparison to, to Connor Norby. Uh, so tell us what you can about Chaz Myers. Chaz has really caught the eye um, of, of these coaches. And this is a guy that, you know, came, you know, cross country all the way from Pacific. He's from California, uh, you know, took a gamble on East Carolina to come here, I think, from, uh, you know, what I've heard. And, and he's taken this opportunity and ran, and ran with it. And, and he is impressed. Well, he's been one of the better hitters throughout the fall and throughout the spring so far. And, you know, he, he's definitely, I think, going to be one of those impact transfers that make a an impact on this team. Not sure what not role it's going to be yet that he makes that impact in, but he will certainly make one when he gets that opportunity. And in addition to Carter Cunningham and Cam Clanch, uh, Chaz could factor in there at first base. He's an option. Also, uh, Colby Wallace. 
uh, you know, who will discuss a little more, you know, as an option at third base, um, he, he could fill in there at first, you know, if, if needed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that goes back to the, the depth of this infield, how you have so many guys that could play a position if needed. And, you know, you can slide some guys around if you need be. Colby Wallace is one that could play at third base. He could play at first base. And, you know, he could he can even pitch for you on this team if you needed to. And that that shows how deep this team is because you have guys that not only can play, you know, their main position, but can slide over the other roles if needed. In the middle, the Pirates, a lot of experience there with uh, Joey Brini at short and then Jacob Starling, you know, prime for a uh, – in a huge senior season at second base. Yeah, and, and Star, you know, you mentioned the both middle infielders with Starling and Barini as well, and that goes back to that word that I've said throughout the night tonight, experience. You know, you can't have – or you can't find much more of an experienced middle infield in college baseball as those two, that how many games they've played together now. Uh, you know, Starling has played so good at second base for, for three years now you know, kind of really stepped into that starter's role halfway through that 2022 season. And Barini taking over the shortstop role last year after Zach Agnos left East Carolina. And, you know, they they really have played well together. Both of them have gotten better defensively, especially Barini. His arm is better as well. He's gotten a little bit stronger with that arm strength. And so I expect a, a big year from that middle infield. And both of them are leaders on this team as well. Starling has really stepped up in the, in the clubhouse and what I've been hearing. And, you know, that's good for star because obviously there's so many, you know, people off the field that look up to him, I think, you know, because they know how good of a player he is, but for him to be such a, a leader now in the locker room says a lot about star. Scott, I don't want to get off subject here. of going around the horn uh, through all the positions, but um, I, I won't be on here too much longer. So I wanted to get this in just looking ahead at the early schedule. Obviously, not taking anything away from Ryder. But after Ryder, uh, we got Campbell, uh, three with UNC, Purdue, and Fullerton. Uh, So, things get hot and heavy in a hurry. They do. And, you know, obviously how good Campbell has been in the past. They lost a little bit on the pitching side this year. They've got a lot of new arms, but a lot of them, you know, it's it's Juco Central (laughs) and Bowie's Creek with the way they recruit. And they've picked up some really good Juco arms. And they have a first-year pitching coach. They hired Wingate's pitching coach in the offseason after uh, Campbell's pitching coach went to Liberty. And so you might see a different look from that pitching side from Campbell. But I think there's there's some unanswered questions with Campbell this year. I think this this coming weekend is going to tell a lot about how that pitching staff is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and, and you know that Campbell's going to bring their best game every time they play East Carolina. We saw that last year. But, you know, not only them, North Carolina is poised for a strong year. They've dealt with some injuries here, losing their Friday night starter. And so curious to see what the starting rotation for the Tar Heels are going to be this weekend. I think starting-wise, that'll tell a lot about North Carolina. Offensively, that team is so deep because you still got Vance Honeycutt in that lineup. You have Alberto Osuna, who's still in that lineup as well. You still have Reese Holbrook. Uh, you know, that's a team that is going to be in contention for an ACC title this year. And then as you mentioned in that LeClaire classic as well, you know, some people might look at that and go, okay, Purdue, well, Fullerton's not as good as they used to be. And and who is Southeastern Louisiana, but Purdue always a solid program in the big 10. Everybody knows what Fullerton has been in the past. They're starting to get back to that. 
with Jason Dietrich now as their head coach. And then Southeastern Louisiana has been a solid program for a number of years. And it was actually in Greenville just a few years ago in the LeClaire Classic and played very well. And so I think this is one of the, the deeper LeClaire Classic pools that we've had in quite some time and really looking forward to that third weekend of the season. Getting back to um, our look around the horn um, at third base, Dixon Williams, um, the Greenville product, obviously, and in so much success at D.H. Conley High School. And then last year, you know, got some A.B.s and received some innings, but uh, not, not a ton in his freshman year, but had an excellent summer and then – well, he's, he's led the team in RBIs, I think, in the fall and then perhaps this spring as well. And Coach Godwin uh, referenced that here recently, and he just said that, you know, Dixon will be your opening day starter at third base. Yeah, and, and Dixon has certainly earned that. Uh, you know, you mentioned how he led this team in RBI in the fall and spring and, you know, has put in so much work in the summer, had a really good summer and summer ball had a really good fall here at East Carolina. And and the thing that is so different about Dixon is he's one of the tougher players on this team. And I think that's what's really separated him in that third base battle this year was how tough he is. Um, you know, and, and Coach Godwin will tell you about how tough he is as a player. And I think that's one of the things that he loves so much about Dixon. But I, I'm, I'm excited to see Dixon because we saw what he could do in, in those – short opportunities last year and now that he's going to be getting that consistent playing time at third base he's going to be in the lineup offensively consistently I'm excited to see what he can do because we I saw him play at DH Conley for so many years being a Greenville kid and I I've seen that talent in person and watching him transition that to East Carolina has been good so far but now that he's had that year under his belt and he's going to be in that starters role consistently it's going to be a fun year for Dixon Williams. I mentioned Colby Wallace, another option there at third, and then a guy that's a utility infielder. And then many of these guys, you know, you know, have the option, you know, of playing both corner positions or potentially even three positions. And Nate Chrisman is one of those guys, and you know, he can play third, short, or second. Yeah, and Chrisman is is another factor to the depth of this team because he can play so many different positions, but him, Colby Wallace are guys that can slide into these roles. If you need a, a pinch hitter late in games and have to come in as a defensive replacement or, or vice versa, whatever, but you have so many guys that can, can play those roles. And, and with Crispin as well, he has that leg up on a couple other guys being that he has the experience from last year, but yes, both of those guys could play third base. If, if this Dixon gets hurt or, or even if they have to switch to another position as well. Behind the plate, the Pirates, unbelievable depth. Cliff Godwin has gone even as far to say, and he's obviously coached at Ole Miss, LSU, and been a part of so much success prior to East Carolina. And he said that in his coaching experience that this is probably the deepest catching um, or the catching position has ever been on a team he's been a part of. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, you know, obviously you have Justin Wilcox, in which, you know, when I when I met with Coach Godwin preseason this year, when when I got to my list of players and got the J Dub, he looked at me, he said, Write write whatever you want. And he said, you know, you can't say anything else about 
Wilcoxon and and what he does. You know, he's so good at, at talent wise. He's such a good person. He's such a leader in that clubhouse as well. And you know, he is he's such a big piece to this program, not only from a, a talent perspective, but from a leadership perspective as well. And you know, he's he didn't have to come back to East Carolina this year. He certainly could have gone pro after last season, but he wanted to come back and, and help this team one more year. And certainly that's going to be the case. He will help this team so much, not only from the catching perspective, but from an offensive perspective. Uh, you, you have Ryan McChrystal as well, who's had that nagging back injury ever since he's been here. And right now he's healthy, which is good because when he's healthy, he can help this team, not only whether that's catching or at, or at a DH position as well. And you know, even freshman Walker Barron could step into that role if needed. If if there was an emergency and, you know, both Justin Wilcox and McChrystal couldn't play or you had to take them out depending on a situation late in the game, Walker Barron could slide into that role or catch if needed. That's one thing is Barron's so much more more called up to the college game than a lot of freshmen have been in the past with this program, and, and that's what contributes to how deep this catching position is for East Carolina. And Ryan McChrystal, um, we've heard, you know, he's always had the arm, but he, we've heard uh, defensively and, uh, you know, from a receiving standpoint, he's he's really honed his skills there. And um, the East Carolina coaching staff, whether it, you know, Cliff Godwin, Austin Knight, the pitching coach, et cetera, there's so many former catchers on uh, this coaching staff. Yeah, there is. And, you know, that's not even mentioning, too, Blake Hardigree, the director of ops, who was right. a catcher in college as well. But, uh, you know, you have him, you have Lartigue, you mentioned AK, you mentioned Cliff Godwin. All of these guys have been catchers. They know what to expect. And I think that's why they put such a, a big emphasis on catching in this program, because they know how good it should be and can be. And they know how important it is to have a good catcher on this on the field, because, the catcher is the captain of that infield. They see everything, uh, and when you have so many good catchers on this program, on oh, this program's coaching staff coaching these guys, like I said, they know what to expect. They know what these catchers need to know. And when you learn from a catcher, especially three of them that have played at a very high level, I think that says a lot about the way the catchers have been in this program under Cliff Godwin. With Scott, you reference. Jacob Starling taking on a bigger leadership role uh, this season. I think JJC, Jacob Jenkins Cowart doing the same. Um, and Coach Godwin at Media Day and Jacob himself talked about, you know, um, he said, yeah, and that three homer game was obviously awesome. But, you know, watching, uh, I guess, Nate Chrisman slide in against Tulane and score that winning run. Uh, he said, I honestly enjoyed that even more and, and the dog pile that ensued. And um, he said that he had had multiple conversations with Coach Godwin, and uh, it's great to see J.C. taking on a bigger leadership role. Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that I think with this team is is different from so many in the past is because you have so many leaders on this team. We mentioned Danny Bill already. You You just mentioned Jacob Starling. Jacob Jenkins Cowart is another one, but you have so many guys that can step up for this team and, and be leaders, you know, whether it's at their position, whether it's overall for this team, uh, you know, that shows like, again, the, go back to the culture of this program. That's one thing that is so good about them. And 
you know, being around this team off the field when, you know, we're traveling through away games and, and everything, you know, seeing these guys interact off the field is, is such a good thing because they don't interact like you would think they would, you know, they, they cut up when they, when they can, you know, they're, they're always goofing off a lot of times on the bus, but the minute it's, it's time to be serious, that, that switch flips and they know exactly when to flip that switch. And, you know, that the culture of this team is so good and the players are so good. It's just such a, a fun bunch to be around and, and see them compete at a very high level and see them succeed is really fun to see as well. Speaking of leadership, uh, it's something awesome that I saw earlier on on social media, and that is Carter Cunningham, Pirate first baseman and outfielder, and, you know, taking the initiative to partner uh, ECU Baseball with Maynard's Children's Hospital, and and uh, that that was just to see that it did not surprise me, but it, it was still great to see, and uh, I know that will be. Uh, mean so much to those kids, uh, not only financially, but more importantly, just the interaction with Carter or other East Carolina players. Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned, you know, when we were talking about Jacob Starling a little bit ago, how how many players look up to him. And Carter's another one that you have so many kids that look up to him, that they were sitting there waiting by the by the third base gate, ready for autographs and to take pictures after games. And you know, I don't think that, you know, I me saying this as a 23-year-old, you know, watching that younger generation look up to these guys is really cool to see because I don't think a lot of them know how special it is and, and some of them don't know how many players actually do it or actually how many kids actually look up to them from a, from that perspective. And, you know, I, like, again, that, that shows the culture of this program. It shows how many – how well the fans care about this program and care about these players individually. And when you invest in your community too, you know, that, that helps a lot. And they, from the community investments that this team makes, you know, they're, they're deep rooted here, not only, you know, on the field, but off the field. And it's such a joy to see when you see stuff like that happen with Carter Cunningham's announcement today. And that post from Carter uh, about seven thirty this evening on X and he says, uh, Acts twenty thirty five says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God has given me the platform to proudly announce a collaboration with ECU Baseball and Maynard Children's Hospital. All money raised will go directly to the families of the Children's Hospital. And it says um, that this initiative is called Homers That Help. Um, what is Homers That Help? ECU Baseball players, you know, as I said, are partnering with the Children's Hospital um, looking for local sponsors. We're looking for local sponsors to sponsor one or more of 33 home games. The, pot, the uh, sponsor will commit a $300 donation up front for the sponsorship with an additional $100 donation for every home run that the Pirates hit during that game. Each game sponsor will receive a pregame PA uh, read uh, you know, by Clip Brock or whoever is on the mic that day at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Uh, you, it says Fund A and Fund B. Fund A will be set up for the 33 sponsors of each game that will have all of the donations distributed to the families during the ECU baseball players' biweekly visits to the hospital. And then Fund B will be a, 
be set up for any pirate fans who would like to join the calls and donate. So we'll share that on our social media and I certainly encourage folks to give. Absolutely. And, and what a great cause too for, for what Carter's doing and, you know, the, the ability for the players now to do this sort of thing with, with NIL gives them a little bit more flexibility to do stuff like this, but you know, it, it warms your heart to see, you know, players like Carter Cunningham do stuff like this. And it's going to be fun to, to fun to watch this this go on throughout the season and, and how much he can do. So, Scott, uh, you know, before we wrap things up, I appreciate you being so generous with your time this evening uh, as we're less than 72 hours until first pitch between the Pirates and Ryder, uh, you know, We've talked uh, about a lot of the potential storylines, but, you know, what's a, a thing or two um, that perhaps um, we have not discussed that you're keeping an eye on as we move into opening weekend? I think the one thing, you know, we haven't really touched about the American Conference this year. Uh, you know, I think that's one thing that I'll be interesting to see, especially leading up to conference play, what some of these teams do. You know, obviously we know that, Charlotte's going to be pretty good this year. We know UTSA was good last year, but, you know, teams like Memphis, South Florida, uh, Tulane, who we even saw can get hot at the right time last year. Fort Atlantic's been good in recent years. Exactly. FAU's another program. How these other programs do leading up the conference play, I think is, is one of the things I'm looking at because, you know, there's such a, a separation, I think, especially right now with with East Carolina preseason wise and everybody else in the conference. That's not saying that East Carolina is going to run away with the American this year. But I think there's a clear difference between East Carolina and the other programs in this league right now. And so when conference plays arrives, what does the rest of the conference look like? What has these teams done in non-conference play leading up to when conference play starts, I think is one of the bigger storylines I'm looking forward to. Yeah, the conference should be much better. I mean, I think East Carolina is still the cream of the crop of the league by far, but uh, it, it should be much more competitive than it has been in years past, which I, you know, as long as we handle our business, it's good for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Having Charlotte and UTSA now in the league is going to help a lot. Uh, you know, if if you know, I say it every year. Why why is South Florida finishing at the bottom of this league every year? I, it blows my mind because they have so much talent every single year. They just can't put it together. Uh, you know, you mentioned Florida Atlantic is another one that could help this league a lot. But I think this league is going to be better. You know, it's, that certainly helps East Carolina from an RPI perspective when you get down to the postseason but the american is going to be a uh, interesting one to see this year scott yeah. really appreciate really appreciate your time this evening and uh, safe travels to you you know as we know you're traveling back from from emerald isle but uh have a great call on opening weekend and we certainly look forward to visiting you through visiting with you throughout the season on extra innings presented by pgxgloves.com yeah absolutely Bubba and uh, thanks for uh, having me on tonight I, I am home now that's why when I lost my bluetooth early I was getting out of my car but we are uh, we're home had to make a quick trip down there because I forgot something that I, I needed this week and that's the joy of, of Greenville only being 90 minutes away from the coast as you can buzz down there and buzz back if needed and obviously the 
the technology now of uh of podcast and, and radio and every sorts everything you can jump right on your phone and uh enjoying podcasts like the sports objective with a with a couple clicks of a button scott i gotta ask because I'm, I'm i like stuff like this uh you said you went every mile from greenville do you do you cut down through kenston to go 58 or do you go like through griffin and vanceboro through newburn and then get on over there mile? I do. Uh, I go through Vanceboro, go through Newburn, and uh, get on that little quick seventy thing, like you're going towards Jacksonville, and go through Maysville. Go Maysville, there, my yeah. Okay, I, yep. was just, I just was there the other day. Went that way from Newburn. Yep. Yep. That's a, it's it's much uh, much quicker now that you can go seventy miles an hour for a little bit. Uh, yeah, in between. you can be. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that you since you can go seventy now once you get past Newburn and once you get to Maysville, it's uh. It's a much quicker trip than what it could be in the past. You could be from Newburn to Maze in 15 minutes now. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Scott, obviously, uh, most people listening are probably already followers of yours on X, but I'm going to tell folks how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, uh, at Scooter7150 is my personal Twitter. And then uh, I would invite everybody to uh, follow the ECU Sports Network now on our social media channels on on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Uh, and also on Instagram, the uh, Playfly has really put a big emphasis on digital content. And we're really going to be pumping out a lot of that during baseball this year. Uh, we've already done a lot of it, did a little series with Josh Groves a couple weeks ago. We, uh, I think we're going to call it second to home as the series goes on throughout the year. And just a quick little, you know, two minute hit with some of the players, you know, asking them some of their, you know, kind of off the field questions, getting to know them better on a personal level. And then, you know, just just being able to push more digital content just because that's where a lot of things are heading these days and have more of a social media presence from the network on uh, or a better presence on social media from the network. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's opening week for East Carolina baseball really and the Ryder Bronx will yeah. be at Clark LeClaire. Um, Good job, Bubba. Technical difficulties. Yeah, really enjoyed that content and look forward to those throughout the season. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Scott. Scott, awesome. bring it. Scott, bring us some good luck, man. It's been tough enough this year with uh, trying to endure right, football. Nation, that is play-by-play voice of East Carolina baseball, Scott Rogers, entering his third season, calling the action uh, of of Pirate baseball, um, and guys. What the we'll hell have was a that? Few more minutes here on the show. Here, here in just a couple minutes, we'll can have. Y'all hear me, Doctor Barry Davis. Um, I can hear you, Coach Kyle. Davis I think I don't think Bubba can hear Dan. Ryder University. Bubba's in his own world. About twenty years now. I think this is exactly <laughs> this year is great for him. This is great. Um, but Matt, let me do our own program. podcast while Bubba Last does year, this. They were, you know, a program that uh, what do you uh, think went of the Pirates Conway Regional. I think fire football will be good this year, but we got to get through baseball you know, first. Of, Looking forward to baseball. Coming, coming uh, out of that thing. Hopefully, uh, make it to Omaha this year. And <laughs> obviously, Pirate fans, you know, we, we were planning on winning the Charlottesville Regional, and, and we were certainly <laughs> pulling for Ryder. We can't hear it. Bubba's going to be so mad. Another Super Regional at Clark LeClaire <laughs> Stadium. But uh, very intrigued to, uh, to see how Ryder looks on opening weekend. It's uh, just because, like we're sitting uh, here quietly. Give credit here to. Holt Naylor's and uh, his show with the walk-ons at Holt Naylor's (laughs) show on X. Um, They broke some news earlier this evening as they had the Ryder has mono on 
and uh, that podcast will air on Thursday on YouTube. But uh, they were you know saying you get mono, right? Some yep. of the rider has mono. Rider players uh, have come down with mono, so uh, interested to see how many players the kissing disease. Them, because I know, yeah, you reckon they were kissing some each of other? Our listeners here were uh, Robert Matthews. I hope not. We're asking about not. that. I don't judge that. on YouTube, but uh, Robert don't have an exact number. We'll see what we can find. You know, stay tuned. And uh, do you think the listeners can hear all three of us? get more of uh, an idea of how many Bronx players have been impacted. Uh, we'll put it on our social media and then also, you know, put it on our Facebook page. All right, Bubba, that's great. And, uh, and Johnny Robertson, sorry, JR. Um, I meant to ask this question. Um, this reminds me of uh, Mystery King Science. Speed. He said there's plenty of elite base runners <laughs> returning uh, with the likes of Riley Johnson, Luke Nowak, Nathan Chrisman, uh, Isn't there a virus called the Norwalk virus? Uh, you know, are any of the new additions going to add to that speed? Um, uh, Bristol Carter. Uh, Bristol Carter was referenced on multiple occasions by Scott and, <laughs> and has been by Cliff Godwin. And no, what are the comments? Throughout the preseason. Bubba, do you see the and, comments? And, and Matt, uh, <laughs> I know uh, as you've taken a look at Bristol Carter. Uh, and, read the uh, How do I get to the comments? I can't even read the comments. Wait a minute, to, uh, via YouTube and so forth <laughs> that you've been very impressed with, with him and are obviously very glad, as we all are, that he made it to campus instead of I minor got baseball. I got to the comments. But, now, Bubba, can you hear me? Can you, can you hear me, Bubba? I can now. Okay. So, Bubba, you haven't been able to hear us? <laughs> Me and Matt's been doing our own podcast. What have you been doing yours? <laughs> for about the last five minutes. Bubba, for some reason, you haven't been able to hear us. We've been trying to chime in, so we've just been uh, having a little fun. But uh, oh, w- wonderful! That I'm sure that w- I'm sure that was great, man. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was fantastically entertaining. I, I, I look at the comments. The listeners have been laughing their asses off. It's great. All right. Well, somehow, somehow, you guys got muted, and I, I had no idea. I was like, uh, I don't think just, we were muted. I think everybody could hear us. No, not muted for our listeners. Muted on my end, on my laptop. Bye. <laughs> because because that's why I, that's why because there's a couple times I paused. I was like, were they going to say anything? I yeah. guess not. Matt, I said I'll continue my monologue. Matt, Matt was uh, telling um was telling uh Scooter goodbye, and you just cut him right off. And it's like, what in the world? And then uh, yeah. I said, I, I said, Bubba, you just cut Matt right off, and you just kept talking. I said, Matt, I don't uh, think Bubba can hear us. No, I'll explain. The, I'll explain to Scott what happened. Lol, we, Scott we was gone. Figured, Scott was gone by the time yeah. all this happened. I just figured Bubba was on a roll, man. I, I didn't want to interrupt. Bubba was rolling, so he was feeling it tonight. He was in the zone. Bubba was in the in the zone, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I apologize man. to all our listeners. Uh, you know, it, what they must have enjoyed happened, it. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea why why my laptop was muted. I I think did you guys see it when the the interview with Dr. Barry Davis, the head coach of Ryder? <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Yes. So so I just uploaded that in the past when I've uploaded a video like that. It's just gone backstage. And I can click on it, you know, whenever I'm ready to to air the interview. And for some reason, it automatically, you know, went on the screen. So I, I'm guessing that muted my mic. So that that's my only guess at what happened. But so anyway, Robert Matthews said this is great radio. Uh, 
I can hear all three of you, LOL, Johnny Robertson, Justin <laughs> Buck, Bubba Hush, uh, <laughs> Robert, Robert Matthews, loud and clear, Cecil. <laughs> Justin Butts, good law, this is funny. <laughs> and and, and uh, William Grant, Cy. Uh, again, again uh, I guess William didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so. That was great, man. That was great. But to take it back, Bubba, to your point about Bristol Carter, I got to try and, you know, get serious again for, for a minute. But, uh, yeah, man, he, listen, this this guy was a first-team, perfect game, All-American. Very talented. He can really run. I mean, that's like when you look at his numbers, um, one of the things he does really – he can run. He's got lightning speed. So huge addition to the outfield. And like I said before – when we were talking to Scott, you have three or four guys in that outfield who can really run. When you look at Riley Johnson, you know, you look at Noah, Bristol Carter. I mean, you're talking about some guys that can really move and cover some ground and, and make plays athletically. So huge addition. And I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. You know, obviously he's, he's probably not going to be in the starting rotation this weekend, but hopefully, you know, we can get him some some at bats and some playing time early because he's he's a very talented guy. Yeah, it really is. Out, out of Northwest Guilford High School, and tremendous football player in high school as well, and uh, he's undoubtedly going to be an impact player. I'm very interested to see how quickly you know, he um, you know emerges early on here in 2024. Bristol Carter is such an interesting – it sounds like a girl's name. It's, 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 it's easy to remember because it's, it's a very unique name, Bristol Carter. Yeah, it's a cool name. Very cool name, very different. Yeah. Um, I'm horrible with names. Any Anything that makes a name memorable to me is a good thing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think Bubba's gone completely. Yeah, we lose. Uh, oh, he's back. There he is. I, d- I just figured I, I wouldn't talk for a few minutes to give you guys the floor since I, I went on my monologue when. Oh, we were talking to. Well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got you got to go back and listen to it, Bob. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is. It may be the greatest moment in our podcasting history. <laughs> when when you brought that up with Scott, I, I think and apparently this was uh, before. I muted you guys inadvertently, and uh, that w- that was when you were talking about how he was traveling to Emerald Isle. Yep. I was I was going to ask you if you were if you were a navigation nerd. I am a navigation nerd. Actually, I just the reason I'd ask him that is I just went from Newburn to Maysville the other day, and I was amazed at how fast you could be from Newburn to Maysville now. So it's interesting. That's what he harped on. So uh, I, I that that's the reason I asked him. So it actually. Uh, Worked perfect. I, I knew our loyal viewers and listeners would understand that reference. The navigation nerd, yeah, yes. yes, and any anybody who's listening on a regular basis will understand how we are all all kinds of nerds. But um, here in just about ten minutes, you know, we'll come back and, and wrap up the show. But um, let's go to that interview with Dr. Barry Davis. He is the twentieth year head baseball coach of the Ryder Bronx, and um, some of you may have already heard that on 
on our YouTube channel. But um, for those who haven't, here's that conversation right now. And four o'clock on Friday, two o'clock on Saturday, and one on Sunday. Obviously, that's subject to change, especially this time of the year with weather. And uh, you know, right now to preview that matchup, very excited to have with us from Ryder University and the longtime head coach of the Bronx, and that is Dr. Barry Davis. Coach Davis, we appreciate your time this morning. Oh, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. How's the weather up there in New Jersey? Have you guys been able to um, get in a decent amount of practice? The weather, the weather's been good. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a kind of a mild winter. We've really only had one uh, snowstorm, which really hasn't affected us. We have an indoor hitting facility. We have a turf uh, field, a practice field for soccer. But we, can, you know, we can get out and take ground balls and do those types of things. So we've been fortunate enough the last two weekends to be able to enter squad. So. As far as being outside, seeing the ball, and, and 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 preparing, you know, we're, you know, a little further ahead than most years. Uh, although we're we're supposed to get a storm tomorrow, which could dump anywhere from, and they say one to three, and then some other other models say five to eight inches of snow. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we've gotten in some good work, and and we're as prepared as we can be. Last season, obviously, tremendous year for your program. 36 and 21, uh, you, you knocked off Coastal Carolina down in Conway, um, that regional host, and obviously such a proud program there with Coach Gilmore. Uh, you know, quickly, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on last season, and you know, we'll dive into this year's ball club. Well, last year we were very, um, very mature team, experienced team, uh, all the way around the diamond. And usually, when you have, you know, if you have quality uh, kids and you know, some talent, you know, over the years, you, you build on that. And uh, last year was a culmination of uh, experience and, and, um, and ability. Uh, our, my assistant coach did a great job. Uh, Lee Lipinski, Mike Petrowski, and we just had it. We just were solid. I mean, we're a good team. We're confident team. We didn't let things bother us. We weren't affected by negative games or negative situations that came up during what will always come up during the season. So, uh, I mean, you're going to lose some games, you're going to win some games, but uh, we were able to sustain it, be consistent, and uh, that's one of the strengths of that club. And uh, we went in to play Coastal. Uh, we weren't – I mean, I don't think we were intimidated. I mean, we, we, we had played Oklahoma early in the season. We had played Duke, and then we played some tough conference games, non-conference non games as well, in addition to Oklahoma and Duke that prepare us. And um, so we felt good about our, our uh, getting in the tournament. We were excited about being Mac champs, which is kind of the goal, which is the goal uh, in a one bid, bid league. You have to win the tournament. You're not going to get in that large. So uh, usually if you win your conference, no matter who you are, you're going to have some momentum going into that first game and you're hope, hopeful that it'll carry through. And for us, it did. And it was an exciting time. Taking a look at the 2024 team, uh, tell us what you return. Obviously, this weekend you're going to be taking on an East Carolina team that's ranked anywhere from 11th to 15th in the polls. And then the Pirates have been a you know, consistent, super regional type of program over the last four or five years under Cliff Godwin, led by Trey Savage on the mound on, on Friday afternoon. You know, Tell us about your rotation. Well, our rotation will be – Brian Young, he'll he'll get the ball game one. He was uh he pitched he was our number three 
uh, at the beginning of the season last year, and he stayed in that third role, third game role, pretty much the entire season. Not not because he was the third best guy. By the end of the season, he was maybe our best guy. Uh, he uh, pitched in the the uh, all the games are important, but pitched in a, in, a, in a few big ball games to get us uh, into the tournament as the number two seed. He he won um, the winners bracket final, and then he got the, you know he got the start against Duke in the winners bracket final in the region and pitched very effectively in all three of those situations. So he'll be our Friday guy, left-handed pitcher. He's got um, it's been good, good 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 quality kid. Works hard. Uh, hopefully he'll give us. Uh, you know, 75 to 90 pitches, somewhere in there. That's what we're looking for. Game two will be P.J. Craig, who's uh, who pitched. Uh, he was our midweek guy last year. Looks good so far. You know, it's early, obviously. Uh, good arm, sophomore, tall, lanky, righty. Uh, and then our third guy is going to be a freshman, Jake Doherty. Um, this is, you know, we're going to be very inexperienced in game three. So, um you know, it's going to be an interesting weekend from the starting standpoint. I mean, no one's going to pitch a complete ball game. So we're going to rely on our bullpen, which our bullpen is loaded with sophomores, uh, guys who were freshmen last year. Some pitched, some didn't. And uh, we're going to have, you know, get, get a real good test on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from a quality club that's been good every year. It's been knocking on the you know, the World Series door, certainly this year, I'm sure their their uh, goals are, are lofty, as as are, you know, most teams that play in that uh, conference and play, you know, in the top 25 on a consistent basis. So uh, we're excited to, you know, just to, to play. We're excited to play against a quality opponent. We're excited to play with a big crowd, a nice crowd. So, I mean, we've seen a little bit of that in, in our recent games. You know, the last few Duke, you know, Coastal, nice crowd. So I don't think it's going to bother us. I mean, we just got to go play. I mean, certainly the competition is going to be high level and uh, we're going to have to raise our level. Uh, but my concern is, are we going to compete? Are we going to try to do the things that we need to do to be to be a good club? And uh, we'll get a, we'll get a great test um, right from the get go. So get uh, one of the one of the best pitchers in the country and uh so we're we're, we're gonna be there and uh, we'll do our best tell us about that lineup that trey savage zach root and the other pirate pitchers will be seeing this weekend tell us about that uh, the lineup that trey savage zach root and other pirate pitchers will see this weekend well, um, we're going to see, I mean, returners for us are Luke Lesh, our first baseman, um, our third baseman, Jack Winston. Both were, you know, major contributors on our team last year. Brian Scatini, our catcher. So those three, first, third catch, those three guys uh, played prominent roles for us last year. They'll they'll bat in the middle of the order and, and they'll be out there this weekend, you know, probably all three games. Uh, two of them are lefty hitters. Uh, Scatini is a right-handed hitter. Uh, we're going to be new up the middle. Will Gallagher, Joe Tyroli is freshman. So he'll get uh, a great introduction game one. And then our outfield will be uh, Anthony Pascal will be in center field and our right fielder will be our backup catcher, Matt Shepard. We have uh, one, our starting right fielder, unfortunately is sick. And uh, he will not be making the trip 
So that's going to, that'll change a little bit, but it's always good. You know, and when you have those things happen, which, which come happen a lot, you know, you get injured, you get sick, you know, there's, there's various reasons why you miss games. So this will allow us to move a couple guys around and see what they can do. Um, we have a couple grad transfers, uh, that, um, one graduate transfer outfielder and one graduate pitcher that that'll certainly add to some depth. But, uh, for the, for the most part, it's, it's a new team. It's a new, uh, it's a new, uh, an offense, a new defense, you know, so there's some inexperience there, but, um, you know, that's the way it goes when you, when you graduate a lot of good players, you, somebody's got to step in and we don't do much on the portal. We haven't yet. Uh, most of it's been, you know, recruit high school kids and try to develop them. So, we're going to go with what we have, and we have some good young guys, and we'll just get a chance to to participate against a really good club. Really appreciate ten minutes of your time this morning, Coach. You know, best of luck to you and the Bronx throughout the twenty twenty four season. Safe travels down from New Jersey, and uh, we would love to have you back on the show uh, if the Pirates and Bronx are meeting in future years. Well, hopefully we will. Hopefully, maybe we'll run into them later in the season if uh, if if we're fortunate enough to get to where they're going to be. Sounds good. Take care, Coach. Have a great day. That was Dr. Barry Davis, the head coach of the Ryder Bronx in his 20th season. They're uh, leading that program. You know, overall, I think he has right around 35 years of experience. So a seasoned vet, and uh, he he will certainly uh, bring a very capable team to Clark LeClaire Stadium, and the Pirates will need to come out and take care of business here on opening weekend. And, you know, I feel very confident that they will. Um, you know, we appreciate the support of Ed Watkins Marine. You know, Big Ed, um, former Pirate offensive lineman um, with Ed Watkins Marine, they have two locations to serve you in Denver and Cornelius, North Carolina, which are in the greater Charlotte area of our state. Um, in Denver, they can be found on North Carolina Highway 16 Business in Cornelius. They're on West Catawba Avenue in Denver. Give them a call at 704-483-BOAT. Or in Cornelius, they can be reached at 704-498-4985. Again, whether you're looking to, to buy a boat, repower your existing boat, they can help you meet all of your boating needs. Fishing boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines, UTVs, and more. Go to edwatkinsmarine.com today to meet all of your boating needs. Also appreciate the support of Mark Minikazi, former East Carolina third baseman. Uh, PGXgloves.com will be the title sponsor for extra innings throughout the 2024 East Carolina baseball season. Uh, again, PGXgloves.com, baseball gloves, batting gloves, uh, football gloves, golf gloves, swag. Uh, we will have some um, special shirts um, pertaining to East Carolina baseball that will be exclusive to pgxgloves.com. So make sure you bookmark that site and you know visit here throughout the 2024 East Carolina baseball season. And otherwise, you know maybe you you know have a son or daughter that play baseball or softball, you know, or, or know someone that you're needing to purchase a birthday present for, go to pjxgloves.com and get them a nice pair of batting gloves, you know, or other items. But uh, that will 
about do it for this edition of the show. I, I did realize um, that during that conversation with East Carolina play-by-play voice Scott Rogers, you know, we failed to m- mention a couple of uh, key arms, guys that will undoubtedly play uh, a significant role probably uh, throughout the 2024 season. Jaden Winter, the big 6'5", 230-pound right-hander. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot about his development this offseason. You know, he was a guy that was also, you know, potentially in the mix for that Sunday role. Um, but undoubtedly, you know, we'll see significant mound time for the Pirates in 24. And then also uh, freshman Jackson DiLorenzo, um, D'Lo, if you will. Uh, he made a significant jump from the fall to the spring. And uh, do not be surprised, you know, if he sees some significant innings for ECU uh, throughout this season. But um, be sure to follow us on social media. On X, uh, you can find us at the Sports OBJ on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You know, when you subscribe to our YouTube channel, be sure to click that notification bell and all so that way anytime we upload new content or go live that you're notified on your device. But that will do it for our 2024 East Carolina baseball preview presented by pgxgloves.com. You know, we'll join you. I guess our next show will be Thursday night as the Pirates will take on Wichita State and look to sweep that season series from the Shockers uh, when Wichita State is at williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. But for Matt Semenza, Kyle Barber, East Carolina play-by-play voice Scott Rogers, and the absent Dave Richmond, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. You have been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Pirates. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates.